Just a heads up before we get started in this episode, we talk about a sexual assault. So if that's something you don't want to be burdened with, then feel free to skip this episode. It's totally understandable. If you need some help, you can call 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-4673 to call RAIN. That's the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. This goofy-ass podcast isn't worth risking your mental health over. So, take care of yourself. Or roll the dice and enjoy, I guess. Here we go. The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. I'm actually, I'll be going to my first concert in, since COVID on Friday. So I'll be looking forward to that. Who are you seeing? Uh, Primus. Oh, you know. Yeah, they're doing that, uh, was it the tribute to uh, Rush as part of their show? So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that will be that'll be good to be going to the to Berkeley to see them. Yeah, I'm, I've there's a show I'm gonna see in uh, in December. I'm gonna double mask it up and head on out. What show are you gonna see? Uh, and you will know us by the Trail of Dead. Oh, nice! So they're playing here in Reno, and I was like, "What? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody plays here. They're not huge, <laughs> you know, but you know, still." Not at the aforementioned new new location. No, no, no. They're playing. They're playing. Um, there's like a the one all ages place that we have here has, has, is uh, is is uh, pretty big and has gotten uh, big shows and stuff like that every once in a while. So, oh, cool. Yeah, never been there, so I have to look up the map and find out how to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the worst thing is yeah, get back into concert groove and get lost. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 9 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Paloma. Each episode, I go track by track with a guest through every album, soundtrack, single, and b-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the Lost Dog track leaving here with guest Sean Rashkiss. Hello, Sean. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for having me back. Oh, hey, no problem. It's I I I I didn't realize how long it's been since I talked to you and until I'm looking at my list and I was like, wow, it was right about the time the pandemic started, I think. Yeah. <laughs> how long it has been. Yes, and it's still going on <laughs> i don't think uh, either of us had any idea way back maybe yeah. maybe us talking now is just what the universe needs to wrap it all up right right yes and we talk fingers crossed be... please <laughs> <laughs> i'm all there with you <laughs> uh anyway we're talking about this lost dog track originally released on the home alive compilation in 1996, the song written by Motown powerhouse Brian and Eddie Holland and Lamont Dozier, writing so many hit Motown songs and some of the uh, uh, we, we we all know the the hits such as uh, uh, oh damn oh my gosh they wrote so many stuff it's hard to it's hard to look through and 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 pick something that's 
that you're going to do. Oh, so many like stuff from the Supremes, Martha and the Vandellas. Oh, you keep me hanging on from Vanilla Fudge? I mean, come on. Yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this is breaking excitement. You can't hurry love, Phil Collins? What? <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, well, yeah, that's a cover of the Supremes anyway. Yeah, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they wrote so many so a whole bunch of uh of motown hits uh one uh w- one of the early covers of this song was uh motorhead this was their first single Lemmy pretty much was the the only person who was in that band who's still in that band. And uh, I, I guess it kind of story goes that they were probably inspired by uh, the birds, not the not the birds from the U.S. spelled with the Y, which is probably why they spelled it with the Y, because there's a other uh, U.K. band uh, goes by the birds uh, that uh, had one guitar player named Ronnie Wood. Hey, there you go in it and uh and he on his 2001 solo album uh not for beginners also has uh leaving here on there again instances of uh, playing that song chances are pearl jam played it though because of the who connection they were i believe uh they played it early on in their career when they were the high numbers still before they changed the name to the who they released uh a compilation of uh b-sides and stuff like that called who's missing in 1985 that it was first released on and then in 94 they had the 30 years of maximum r&b box set that they released it on as well and then also their re-release remaster of odds and sods in 1998 which had uh more tracks on it than the original uh release did which odds and sods is their own sort of lost dogs uh collection and then it being featured on here kind of uh ties it all together i guess yeah all one circle but amazing that that uh, the who they first recorded back in 65 so yeah, that was mm-hmm. really early on for them. Yeah, the song uh, originally recorded by uh, Eddie Holland in uh, 1963 for Motown as a single. Uh, br- the song Brenda was the B-side of that. <laughs> 
That's what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what I'm all about here. <laughs> Going through Wikipedia. <laughs> so who knows if any of this is right. But, um, like uh, Pearl Jam kind of picked this up. It was, uh, you know, really, uh, they played a lot in the, in the mid to late 90s. It was, came up a lot in their, in their live sets. Yeah, I think, the, like I said, the, the Home Alive CD was released in 96. And so they started, the first time they played it was at uh, one of the Red Rock shows in 95. Uh, what was that, the 19th? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then they played the next night. So that first Red Rock show in 95, they uh, played it for the first time there and then uh, played it a couple more times. And then they played it more in 96 and then 98 are the next two tours that they played it much more on until it's kind of a, uh, you know, bust it out every once in a while. But sort of around the release of the CD is kind of when they, you know, were getting into it and playing with Jack and stuff and did it uh, did it more. Yeah, I remember seeing it uh, when they had the rescheduled uh, Golden Gate Park show in, in San Jose in November of 95. They played it. So mm-hmm. I think that was probably their fourth or fifth time, I think, they, uh, they brought it out. Yeah, I, I saw it um, at the San Diego show, 98. And I think they had a lot of it at, towards the end of their uh, sets, but a little kind of you know, rocker kind of lighthearted, easy groove that lets some of the, you know, stone and Mike kind of switch off and doing little licks and stuff at the end. Yeah. I think I, 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 let's, let's, let's get your, your thought on it. Listening to it. I think the solos are just Ed and Mike, or at least, you know, when you listen in your headphones, that's kind of, you know, it's center for Ed and then left for Mike. And it kind of, you know, the first one's Ed and then Mike and then Ed and then Mike. Yeah. Is how it sounds to me. How about you? Yeah, that's, uh, I could see that. I kind of listened to the, you know, the guitar being played and there are a couple of riffs that kind of have a very stone feel to them. But yeah, I know that seeing them, seeing the show live, I know Ed, Ed, uh, you know, kind of drives it. I know Ed always does the one solo, that third solo, or at least the solo that it's played the same every time. It's the one that goes. He's the one that always does that <laughs> every single time, every show. That's the one solo that'll never change. It's the one that Ed knows how to play. So he's like, oh, yeah, here's me. The one solo I know how to play. <laughs> <laughs> Very unique. Yes, definitely not. Uh not something a microstone would be kind of changing it up every time they play it. But yeah, that's one thing about the, so- the about the song is they'll uh, you know, there's four parts for solos, so sometimes they'll they'll switch off and play a whole bunch of different ones and, you know, sometimes Jeff will get in and he'll do a little bit of solo or I think sometimes I I've seen um or maybe I've heard um a drum solo in it too, like uh Matt will just kind of play the drums a little bit I think in a version I've I've heard. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that too. I think even, yeah, I've, I've heard a version when uh, Jeff goes into a lot of some bass solos and stuff. So it definitely a song that leads to all the all of them kind of getting in and doing 
your little soul licks. Yeah, I think uh, in your uh, Lost Dogs liner notes, uh, Mike says, we are always talking about who takes the first lead when we play live. Kick ass. I don't know why that's added in there. It just is. <laughs> why Why was this one of the songs that you that you wanted to talk about? Well, not that, uh, you know, I want to steal anyone's thunder, but the song does kind of kick ass. Oh, yeah. It's a, uh, I, I kind of, I liked, uh, I, I really like the ending. I think that's uh, to have those little riffs in there and, and especially live to be able to see all of the guys switch it up on who, uh, you know, who gets their licks in. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's just a, it's a fun, fun song. It's, you know, it's not, it seems to go, you know, pretty quick, not a terribly long song, but I've always enjoyed it. Yeah. It does have a real sort of old school, the R&B feeling to it. And I think in, in the, in the motorhead version, you know, it's Wade, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, you can tell that it's the same song, but you know, it's just done in a kind of different style. And I think, uh, compared to the original, the who kind of, uh, plays it up a little bit more. Yeah. And, and, uh, the Pearl Jam version is pretty much playing that, uh, that who version. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I mean, I listen to try to listen to all the versions that have been recorded, and and you kind of have this continuum of of the uh, style from going from Motown sound and a lot of the bands in the '60s that were recording it, and then like to the Who kind of kind of put their rock spin on it, which Pearl Jam covered, and then the Motorhead it gets a little bit heavy and and almost kind of punk, and then mm-hmm. the last song i listened to lars Fredrickson and the bastards that's very much along the line of motorhead <laughs> of it but interesting that they you know totally different styles taking on the on the song and making it their own make you think i have a question for you is uh-huh. um looking at how many of the different artists you know covered the song and sort of made it their own what do you think would be a, a pearl jam song that maybe down the road you'd see other artists taking and and kind of crossing different styles of music is there a song out there you think that would easily kind of fit into that uh, kind of continuum that this song has uh well we've had um you know just breathe sort of countryfied by um uh, Willie Nelson, yeah, and then um, Miley Cyrus, kind of going along that same route. There, uh, I think Black is one that is frequently sort of covered here and there. I think Black and Better Man, uh, certain artists 
have uh, have covered it. I don't really know how different they've made them though, and kind of made into their own style. I think like Just Breathe is the one that really lends itself to be that country esque version. So I don't know if you know further on down the line, people take the uh, take the Willie Nelson version and kind of keep doing that kind of like oh it's like oh yeah it was originally a pearl jam song what it's like oh wow that might be one of the things like the the who or something like that it's kind of like it's like oh yeah the who it was originally a uh, a motown song it's like what yeah (laughs) as far as uh, like leaving here goes and stuff yeah so yeah if you can see what uh holland dozier holland could say now seeing the different iterations of uh of that song going through what they would have to say about that um let's see Wanted to talk a little bit about the Home Alive Art of Self-Defense compilation. Uh, did you have that CD? Did you get it when it came out or have it at, at all at some point? You know, I didn't. I, I, I saw it when it came out, mm-hmm. but I did not. I don't know if I even maybe picked it up and looked at it, but I never ended up buying it. But I remember it, was, I remember it coming out. Um, and seeing the connection with uh, with the song being on there. How about you? Yeah, I get. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think I got it right when it came out. I got it a couple of years later. I think I got it. Uh, I might have gotten it used. Maybe I think I just got it used because the case was kind of cracked. Because you know those two CD cases in there where it kind of the center kind of flips out and has a CD on both sides. Those uh, are prone to getting <laughs> cracked in some way. Yeah, you put it on the register to pay. Kids, kids these days don't know what it was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the unfolding and have to be so careful with that. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes it you know goes from the center, or sometimes it goes in the uh, the outside, so it kind of opens up like a three threefold. It opens up to the left, and then it opens up to the right in the center, and sometimes it just opens up back on the left, and it's all these weird contraptions that they made for it to put two CDs in there and a single CD size case. Yeah. And then it was just not even worth trying to get back together. It just, it was just out. <laughs> yeah. People don't, you know, they don't sell those types of things. If you're getting blank CD cases, you know, it's only, you know, single CD things. So it's like, ah, oh, what the hell? Uh, anyway, the um, Home Alive was, uh, it was an organization formed, formed in 1993, 1994, after a Seattle musician, Mia Zapata was uh, raped and murdered. Uh, she was in a band called The Gits, which uh, was influential in their scene. Uh, there's a couple of Gits uh, songs and a solo Mia song on that soundtrack. Uh, basically an organization uh, meant to try to prevent violence against women, uh, either by teaching them self-defense or... Um, you know, just other bringing awareness to uh, violence against women and stuff like that. And I'm seeing, um, looks like maybe 2010 is is maybe when they, uh, Home Alive, they closed up. Oh, did they? Yeah, so I guess it was kind of, oh, and there's in uh, 2012, some of the original people have kind of started up a new organization, Teach Home Alive, uh, archiving the original sort of website and uh sort of articles and stuff like that that they had but uh yeah the c the cd is a real it is, is super 90s just in in the music that they had on it and then also they had a lot of spoken word artists on there oh. so it was like poetry and just weird just out there sort of music and stuff 
I think one of the uh, the standouts is, uh, yeah, Keep Your Mouth Off My Sisters by Bobby Miller. It's dedicated to all the women who walk any street in our country. It's called Keep Your Mouth Off My Sisters. Sometimes you begin to wonder if it's a conspiracy of men asleep at the wheel, the way they spit out words at women they don't even know that they will never know. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, now it's all coming back. Yeah, I do remember that spoke word. Yeah, they played it on self-pollution radio. Yeah, okay. So yeah, that's where I heard that before. Yeah, so I think probably, the, yeah, like self-pollution, they, some of that stuff kind of was around the same time since that was just the year before, I believe, in 95. And it looks like they did some uh, benefit shows, too, in Seattle, Francisco, and New York around that time, both spoken word and performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, track, track down that CD. It's, uh, you can get it used, like, online for three bucks. <laughs> well, as long as, long as that they had... The multi-opening uh, jewel case, that's, that, that has to, oh, yeah, has yeah. to occur. It, it depends, you know. If, I'm sure. I, I don't know if it's uh, streaming anywhere. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Yeah, it looks like there's also a, a documentary that was made about Home Alive. That was put out in uh, 2013. Rock, Rage, and Self-Defense, an Oral History of Seattle's Home Alive. Let's see, is there anything else to say about this song? To get it, to get it all covered, the whole swath everything there is to know about this it is lyrically it is kind of um fit along with the the theme i guess of of the home alive compilation i think yeah i agree it's very much goes one-on-one with uh yeah with making sure that uh guys treat women right or they're yeah that's a it's a good connection with the uh, home alive yeah uh was there something else you were gonna say before i step in there <laughs> i was gonna mention that uh you know if, I think it, it every now and then it's still they still Pearl Jam still breaks out in live mm-hmm. shows, but it's pretty much like once every few years that may they may throw it on a on one of their sets. Yeah, they'll, they'll bust it out on a show on a tour. Yeah, they played at the uh, one of the Wrigley shows. Um, is there anything else you can think? Of? I think now it's yeah, I think we've uh, really dug into to this one pretty pretty succinctly. Yeah, it is you know. Women in this town are being misused. So leaving this town because we don't treat them right. So don't be, don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Leaving here, AKA don't be a jerk. Yeah, it does kind of, um, oh man, what is it? There is a um, story, I think from ancient Greece about women who wanted to stop a war. And so like they stopped sleeping with the men or something like that. And then, so then the war stopped or something. Oh, really? And I believe that uh, Spike Lee then based his movie Chirac on it. Is there a uh, one of the versions of Levy soundtrack? Huh? Ah, yes. The Aristophanes uh, story Lysistrata, a comedy play in which women withhold sex from their husbands to put an end to the Peloponnesian War. Oh, interesting. Yeah, sort of uh, thinking, you know, if, uh, you know, collect- collective bargaining, you know? You know, how, how much can be accomplished by women if they don't try to uh buy into the misogyny inherent in the system and kind of like hey you know what let's uh not necessarily as far as you know giving men sex or anything like that but sort of you know walking out and i mean like the the whole um you know women's march that they uh that got started uh once uh trump was elected and then has kind of been carried on every year since then to try to hopefully remind people that 
you know, stuff still, stuff still fucking going on. You know, you got uh, Texas and all these other states trying to uh, outlaw abortion and everything like that, too. And, you know, women not being paid as much as men yeah. forever <laughs> and everything. So, yeah, still much right there. Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just the thing that I remembered that I uh, wanted to bring up. Anyway, <laughs> there we go. Make it a last minute, uh, <laughs> last minute revelation, last minute uh, uh, information. There, try to uh, link stuff together. That's pretty good. I you have major props on that. That's uh, all right. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I I give you an A plus on that one. So uh, so we're here then at the end, and uh, we're still in PJ thirty because it's been uh, thirty years of ten being out. So it still counts. Of course. And uh, <laughs> I've been wrapping up by asking people, asking my guests, just like Ed has asked at the end of single video theory. So I pose that question to you now, Sean, what does Pearl Jam mean to you? I'd say uh, Pearl Jam, it's sort of like <clears throat> coming home for me. I first picked up 10 when I was in high school and you know, a lot of the songs in 10, you know, spoke to me and got, got me through some rough times. And uh, <clears throat> when I was in a teenager and they've just been with me and as I grew up and, you know, the albums would come out and, They'd go on tour and I'd see them. So it's just always uh, been a big part of my life. You know, that's why it's kind of like last year without any live music from them has been, you know, a little weird because I haven't had that uh, for since, uh, what, good 30 years. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, so having that, knowing that that's coming back next year will, is, is just kind of, uh, you know, puts things uh, back in perspective and getting things back to normal. So it's, uh, you know, it's a good constant to have them around and their music still coming out and being refreshing and new for each album. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good, uh, it's a good piece of, uh, of my life that I've grown up with them. Hell yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot for uh, coming back and chatting with me about Pearl Jam, Sean. No problem. Anytime, sir. The Better Band Podcast is produced by listenupreno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by their respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at betterbandpod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash Brandon P or patreon.com slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Sean, and as always, this is Brandon saying... Oh, they have the internet on computers now.